Welcome, everyone. I'm Bob Wurzelwalker, Director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. This week, we have a special episode for our regular listeners in November of 2019. We had a series on foster care. We spoke with some who work in the field, placing children in homes, and we talked to a couple of families who are fostering, and we spoke with a 16-year-old young man named Jamin, who shared the difficult story of his young life and his hope that he would be adopted someday. Well, on the one-year anniversary of the release of his episode, which was November 12th, 2019, we have Jamin with us again today. Welcome back to the show, Jamin. Hello. Now, we don't really have time for you to share your whole story And again, for those who want to hear it, go to the Foster Care Part 2 episode. It was November 12th of 2019. But, Jane, maybe you can refresh us all, give a one- or two-minute version of the story of your upbringing and how it is that you ended up in foster care. So, basically, my mother and my father split up whenever I was young, probably two years old. And then I was with my dad, and then I was with my mom. And while I was with my mom, my dad was killed. My dad was killed when I was five, by the way. And then I found out as I got older that my mom was into like drugs and so was my dad and everything. And when I was 10 years old, my sister's boyfriend introduced me to like marijuana and everything like, you know, drugs and stuff. And so I became pretty interested in that because my mom told lots of stories about how much fun she had had doing drugs and stuff. So. We ended up moving to Florida, and my older sister, she's my full sister, so, and then I have a little brother. He was my mom's, but he had a different dad. But anyways, we moved to Florida, and then in Florida, she met a guy named Joe. Joe got her on heroin, and then we came back up to Ohio, and my mom was pregnant at the time, so we ended up going to Utah to give the baby for adoption. And by the time we got back to Ohio, there was like a a whole case opened up still for Warren County Children's Services. So I got taken, me and my little brother did. My sister was already aged out. She was already like 18 or 19. So they took me and my little brother foster care. There was a couple homes that were potential adoption homes. And then I got way into drugs and stuff, and I got separated from my little brother, and through that, he got adopted, and I didn't know about it until, like, months and months later, and I don't have contact with him because the parents didn't want to have contact. You know, they just wanted to be by themselves or whatever, and then I was supposed to get adopted by somebody else, and then they backed out. Okay, so when we, so a year ago when I was talking to you, right, so your your brother had been adopted at that point, and wh- where were you living at that time? I was living at Midwestern Children's Home. It's like a group home. You summed up your hopes and dreams at that time. You were saying something like, uh, of course, you ho- I hope to be adopted, of course, right? But you were saying you were hoping to get a job maybe as a mechanic. That was the word that w- you'd said. Get married and have kids. Do you have the same, still have those same goals? Have they changed a little bit since then? They've changed a lot. They have changed. Okay, well, tell you what, let's get into the story. So uh, so we left off when you were at, at a moment, you were thinking, when, when we in November, you were thinking that you were going to be adopted by a particular family or or someone anyway. Do you want to say what, what happened with that or do you just want to say it didn't work out? That was a family. 
like an older man. He was like 64, and then the woman was like 42. So it was a pretty big age gap, but they were cool. I liked them. And then they kind of just like stopped answering phone calls. And hmm. my caseworker and my therapist and everybody told me that they were not interested anymore. Sounds like in your young life and your, your dealings with foster care and trying to be adopted, you probably had a few, more than one heartbreak yeah. of trying to have that work out. Okay, so now here we are, November, December of 2019. So you were 16 then, so you were almost 17, and you're about a year away from aging out, basically, of being yeah. able to be cared for through a foster care. Okay, so now tell the story of what happened since we last talked. Okay, so... I met a woman named Judith because my caseworker was looking for more places for me to go. And so they just so happened to find her. And so I ended up meeting her and then we came to her house for like a meal just to meet and everything. And I don't think that she was originally like interested in the adoption part. She was just trying to help me like help set up, you know, my future a little better. But like I had a couple visits with her and then I decided that I didn't want to go with her or whatever, to be honest. I thought that the rules sounded too strict, maybe. I don't know. But they're not strict. I don't know what I was thinking really. So you have some strict rules. Do you want to share with what are some of those rules that you didn't like at first? <laughs> the grades. If I get a C. I cannot have my phone or my job. And that was pretty intense for me because I'm not the greatest in school, but I guess I'm getting better at school because I have decent grades right now. None of them are C's because I kind of want to keep my phone. <laughs> okay, so you have to get B's and A's where you lose your phone and you lose your ability to, to go work and earn some extra money. That's correct. That's one of the big ones. Okay, so you had some visits with this woman, and then how long did that go on before you decided to move, go on to the next step, I guess, there? So I had like three visits and then I was like, nah. And then I ended up, it was probably a month or two after I decided that I did not want to proceed. I had a episode or whatever, a blow up, you know, emotional episode. There was some suicidal ideation and stuff like that. I ended up in the hospital and then in there I called her and decided that I just needed to get out of that group home. It's not that... Midwestern children's home is like bad. I mean, when you first go there, you're going to think, oh, this place is terrible. Like, if you were a, a troubled child or whatever, because it's strict, there's a lot of different rules and stuff, and it's very structured. But after a while, you start to get used to it and you kind of like it. That's when you should probably, they should probably be looking for you to go somewhere. How that. long had you been there then? I think I was there for like maybe. 11 months. So just under a year. So you've been visiting with Judith and you thought at first her rules were a little bit strict. You decided not to proceed with fostering with this woman, I guess. But then after thinking about your life, your situation, you, you changed your mind. Okay. So I guess she didn't change her mind after you said no and then said, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. you take me back. Did that require another meeting? No, we kind of just she was like, okay, and we started doing more visits, and then it moved a lot faster than I thought it would, to be honest. We did a couple of visits uh, where I went with her, and then she came to the group home like once or twice. After that, I went to her at the beginning of Christmas break, and 
then they ended up just letting me stay. And this all happened extremely quickly. Yeah, it was October 25th when I first met her. Okay. So you had three visits, changed your mind, and came back all before Christmas, between October yeah. 25th and December 25th. Okay. So you move in, you decided to move forward with the fostering process, and here it is several months later, and you're still there. Things are going well, I guess. So you want to tell me a little bit about Judith? Judith is Lebanese, which is cool. Catholic, and we go to St. Anthony de Padua and Cincinnati, which is a Maronite Catholic church. Uh, Are you thinking about becoming a Maronite Catholic? Yeah, I got our priest baptized and confirmed. Okay, you are officially yeah. a Catholic in the church. You're baptized and confirmed in the church. There you go. Well, congratulations. Thank you. But he was pretty happy to do the whole thing. He's really into it. I mean, I guess if you're a priest, you do get into baptizing people, but <laughs> he was pretty happy about it. Sure. Well, um, it was exciting. Sure, absolutely. So anyways, when I first got here, like to this house, I was taking MMA classes once a week for a little while. Mixed martial arts, like, oh. like UFC and stuff like that, just for self-defense though. And then I also got a bass guitar, and I've been learning how to play the bass guitar. I've been practicing like a lot more and learning a lot more and getting a lot better at it. And then I also create music electronically. It's called FL Studio. It's a DAW, a digital audio workshop. If you ever hear like rap music or, you know, like dance music, you know, all that is it's just electronic music like this. Yeah, sure. Okay, so anyway, so you have a great interest in that. Okay. I also have a violin. <laughs> oh, wow. And then I actually had my first Catholic retreat. We went up to Michigan. And after that, I just was really inspired to really dive into the Arabic culture, the Lebanese culture, really, because that's the majority of who was up there is Lebanese people. So I really like Lebanese food, Lebanese people, and I'm also learning Arabic, learn how to speak and write, and obviously read Arabic. They write right to left, and it's really cool, though. I've always liked the way Arabic characters looked. It's harder to learn Arabic than Spanish. I'm also taking Spanish in school. I have like a 100% in there right now. So when we had left, you were hoping to be adopted. That happened. You were hoping to become a mechanic is what you had said, told me at that time and get married and have kids and make sure they stay away from drugs. So where are your dreams now, now that you've been living with Judith? I think I want to be a technology hardware engineer and oh goodness. probably a musician of some sort and probably a, bass, a bassist, but maybe just an overall musician, like guitar, bass, drums, violin, everything. So do you feel like you just had the opportunity to kind of realize what your interests were now, as opposed to just kind of thinking, well, what can a person do? Is that where you were with the mechanic thing? Was just something maybe you could do as opposed to really having the opportunity to see where your interests lie? I mean, I was interested in it. Like, I still am interested in cars, kind of, but I know where my interests are now, like a lot more. What is life like today? How is it, how is it different and better, right, than it was when you were living in a group home? 
definitely more freedoms. Like I can have a phone and I can have a bass guitar. I can have an amplifier for my bass guitar and I can have a computer so that I can do the electronic music. And now that I know about it, I get to choose to go to the Arabic church, the Maronite Catholic. I don't know. There's a lot more choices that I can make and freedoms that I have now that I didn't have when I was in there. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad place. I'm saying it's a place that should straighten kids up. And it straightened me up, but it's a place that should straighten you up, and then they should get you out of there before you start developing bad habits within there. And maybe that's not how it is for everyone, but for me, I felt like it after I got over that hill of not liking it, not liking it, to, oh, it's, it's not so bad. I feel like I just started going back down, and it became a detriment instead of something good. Right. We talked more at length about it last time, but you mentioned it was particularly your sister's boyfriend at the time that introduced you to drugs at a very young age, which makes it very difficult to escape from. And you had to struggle with that for a while, of course. Is this still a struggle here with you now? or It's always going to be a struggle. Like, I mean, that's just how addiction is, but it isn't as bad anymore. Like, I mean, I, can, I kind of have different interests now that I'm that keep me occupied. Right. I'm sure that helps a lot. So how about the Marianite Catholic Church? You mentioned you're really into Lebanese culture. You're studying Arabic and those things. But what about that church that was different? Because you talked a lot about God. So, Jamin, I'm not sure what denomination of Christianity you were mostly hanging out with or believing in or going to church with, but you did talk a lot about God last time I talked to you, but you certainly weren't a Maronite Catholic. So what was it about the Catholic Maronite Church that attracted you? One of the things would probably be because of just how different it is. Some of it's done in Arabic, some of the service is done in Arabic, and then the rest of it's done in English, but he has the Arabic accent. And so I really liked listening to that. And the retreat was really what pushed me over because whenever I went to the retreat, I don't know, I just felt really good the whole time I was there, just being around all those people. And a little bit more about how Judith helped you. I know you were on quite a few medications right when I last talked to you last year. And I think Judith was somewhat instrumental in getting that changed. Yeah. Right. So maybe talk a little bit about that or, or anything else that Judith has done to really help you get on, on the road to discovering who you can be and what you want to do and put you in such a better place in your life. About the medications thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not on any medications for mental stuff anymore. No more antidepressants, no more anti-anxiety, and no more ADHD medicine. So, I mean, I guess I'm probably a little more jittery. I guess you might have noticed that like a little more moving about. But so, yeah, no more medication for that. I take medication for my allergies and breathing and I have acid reflux, but that's about it. Obviously, she got you some instruments that help you to discover or realize your interest in music. What else has Judith done and has the being able to be adopted done for you? I think I'm just really learning a lot more about human interaction, like how you're supposed to be in certain different uh different situations yeah exactly you didn't grow up in a situation where your parents are teaching you how to act in certain situations you didn't you didn't have that right your entire time growing up but people assume that 
So now here you are at 17 years old having to learn that. What about the, you're going to turn 18 in December? Do you, do you see this as your mother or as a foster mother or just kind of someone um, helping you out? I see her as, like she hasn't replaced my actual mother, but like okay. I see her as kind of like a second mother, yeah. Like I'll definitely be here because once I turn 18, I'll still be in junior year when I'm 18. And then by the time I'm 19, I'll be in senior year for another couple months. And then after that, I plan to go to college for the technology. All right, very good. There are some people that might be thinking about foster care. They might be thinking, well, we all know that it's more difficult to place an older child in foster care, Yeah, that there are fewer people willing to do that. Maybe you can give a little shout out there of why and how it is. If you're thinking about it, if you're the least bit open to it, how important it can be and how great difference that can make in someone's life. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about it, I'd say you should probably definitely do it. I mean, even if it's just for the younger kids, but definitely for the older. Well, okay, definitely for both. (laughs) I mean, you never know, like, who you're going to come across. You might come across the kid that, like, you're like, wow, this this dude's wild or this this girl is wild, you know. But you might be able to just kind of get them under control and you never know, like, who they're going to be when they grow up. Like, you never know what, what they're going to be like. And, yeah, maybe they grow up and they do just what their mom and dad did or, you know, whatever. But if you actually treat them right from now on, they'll probably grow up and they'll do something with their life. And you'll not only reap the benefits of having another piece of you out there somewhere that you can look forward to seeing but dang, like if they might meet people, they might have an amazing talent in making music or something. They become a musician, they become a millionaire. Now you've partially raised a millionaire. I mean, you never know, like you just never know. And I'm not saying to do it because of the money, but what I'm saying is that you just might end up taking care of somebody who turns out to be really, really cool. And then you can say that you were a part of their life. Right. You really get to meet somebody, find out who God has created them to be. There's no greater gift than just discovering who it is that God created someone to be. I certainly see you as a gift, having heard your story twice here. I'm really happy that we had a chance to have you on the show. I'm sure that Judith sees you as a gift, and I hope you, I'm sure you see Judith as a gift to your life Definitely. as well. If you have any other contact with any of your biological family, your younger brother, your oh, older sister? Yeah. Not my brother, but... I've had like one visit with my sister and I've actually gotten to see my mom twice. Is she doing okay now? Is she glad that you've been adopted? Yes, she's clean now. She's not on drugs. She works pretty hard because she doesn't really have anything to fall back on. So she just does like lawn service and stuff now. My sister, on the other hand, I think whenever we did this interview last year, she was in prison. She was. You said that she was in prison. She's trying to get herself together, but I mean, it's probably not the easiest thing for her. That's a bit of a sobering reminder for yourself as well, I suppose. Keep to your path, what you're doing, and the sky's the limit to what you can do. All right. Well, very good. Well, thanks, Jamie. It was great talking to you. Yep. It was good talking to you too. I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website. View all the links we talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash p-pro-life. And thanks all your listeners for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.